Thanks for checking out the Candeo podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at candeochurch.com. Yes, good morning, Candeo family. Right, we gather this morning, Easter Sunday, because Jesus went into the grave on Friday, and just like he said he would, he walked out Sunday morning. Can we get some excitement up in this place? That is awesome. Yes. So I'm actually going to begin this morning by playing a little game with you, which you know already now I'm setting you up for something, all right? So here's the game. It's called the time machine game. Now, before we get into the time machine game, I'm going to give you the opportunity to select your time-traveling vehicle of choice, okay? So some of you, this may be half the crowd, you, you want to jump into the DeLorean, Back to the Future. That can be your chosen vehicle. Marty McFly goes with you. I'm going to leave the doc at home. He's kind of weird for me. So that's one option. And option B, now you know where I'm headed with this, a telephone booth and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So you... You get to pick which one you want to take. I'm going with the telephone booth. And everybody under the age of 24 is like, I don't even know what that is. You should get in a time machine and figure that out. But anyway, all right, so pick your vehicle. All right, now let me ask you this question. Time machine game is pretty simple. You're in your time machine. Where are you going to go? Again, I was setting you up for this because I'm hoping you get the answer right, guys. I'm telling you, there's no contest this is where I'm going. If I could go anywhere in all of history, I want to go back to this moment. Because can you, can you just imagine with me for a second, like walking toward the tomb where Jesus' body was and the ground begins to shake beneath you. Like, like right then and there, you know something's up, right? Like, but like the ground is shaking beneath you and all of a sudden you see something you've never seen before. Because has anybody ever walked into a cemetery and had people running out screaming, he's alive, he's alive, and they're happy about it? Like, because like, yeah, again, like, I can imagine the scenario maybe in a movie, but it'd be terrifying. Like, he's alive, he's alive. But like, so, so, so they're running out, so you run forward, you look in, you see this empty tomb, and then you turn around, pivot quick, and follow them to wherever they're going, and there you see Jesus. You saw him dead, and now he's alive. As nothing matches the beauty and majesty of resurrection morning. There's nothing better than that. And it's why here we are 2,000 years later, 2 billion people from every nation on the planet gathering today to celebrate. And here's the, the gift I want to give you this morning, this Easter morning. I want to ask a foundational question, which is just simply this. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? I mean, honestly, if you want to put it in another term, like, that's great for Jesus. Like, I'm glad that he has the power to rise from the dead, and I'll celebrate that. But, like, what does that have to do with me? Like, what does that mean for me? Because if we're honest, there's a lot of things that Jesus can do that I can't do. Like, Take some loaves of bread and a couple fish and feed thousands of people. I struggle enough to feed my family. I got four kids and they're like pre-teenager age. So I'm looking at the future going, how do we do this? Like Jesus, multiply Rice Krispies and Rice Krispie treats and such. That's all we feed our kids is Rice Krispies, by the way. I also, guys, I've never, like, like, Jesus could walk on water. I've never been able to do that. I tried. I've actually tried twice. Has anybody else ever tried to walk on water? So if there's, like, a category 
well, it's Jesus, right? Jesus walked on water. And then there's like a category of people that float well, like the back float people. I'm still mad about swim lessons, like, because I can't do this. Like, but if there's like walking on water, there's like the ability to float. And then there's like this opposite end. Like, that's me. Like, that's the skill I have in life is I sink. Like, it's probably my greatest asset in life is that I sink. In fact, I've thought about this before. Like, if you wanted to take me out, which I don't know why anybody would want to do that, but if you wanted to take me out, I'd be the easiest body to get rid of. Like, you'd just throw me on a body of water. I would disappear. Like, there'd be no evidence. I'm, I'm going to bring him back around. But, like, remember what started this, right? Jesus can do a lot of things that I, I can't do. So when he's risen from the dead, what does that mean for me? That's the question I want to ask and answer this morning. And to answer this question... I want to go to the only other story in the Bible that I know of where there's a funeral that ends with an empty tomb and a celebration. And it's John 11. John 11. We're going to start in verse 21. But in John 11, verse 21, we find Jesus on his way to a funeral, and it's a funeral for his friend Lazarus. And as he reaches the edge of the town where Lazarus is from, Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, hear that Jesus is, is coming, and Martha gets up and runs out to him, and they have this conversation, and it's this interaction between Martha and Jesus that I want to walk through this morning. But when Martha runs out to Jesus, this is what she says to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. It's essentially the first words out of Martha's mouth when she gets to Jesus. If I just bring this into like our language, is she says to him, where were you? Has anybody ever asked that question of God in the midst of pain and suffering? Where were you? Understand, as Jesus approaches the city, it's the fourth day since Lazarus has died. And in the Jewish mind and in Martha's mind and heart, this is the darkest moment. Because for the common Jewish family, what they believed is they believed that when a person died, their soul would hover over the body for about three days, and on the fourth day, gave up, would depart, and at that point, there was no turning back. There was no hope. When Jesus walks in on the fourth day, he's walking into the darkest moment. This is the point of greatest pain for her. But you can hear yet in her words, because she starts with, where were you? And then she, there's just this little bit of confidence in her, right? But, but I know that if anybody could do anything about this, Jesus, it's you. There's just this aspect of confidence in her words, and this is what Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She had some concept of like, yes, I know like your words are true that someday he'll rise, but in her mind she's like, I don't know how that happens. I don't know like how God does that. I wonder if Jesus just kind of calmly with a smile on his face, it's like, I, I know how God does that. I, I know how he'll do that. Because he says these words. He said to her, I am 
the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Jesus starts his response to her by saying, I am. It's important for us to understand this. Like when somebody says, I am dot, 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 they're making a statement of definition. It's a statement of identity. When you say, I am something, you are answering the foundational question of who am I? So if you came up to me, I'd say, well, I'm, I'm Cody. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a sucker for ice chais and bonfires and long walks on the beach and dancing in the rain and all those things, right? I'm an imperfect person saved by perfect grace. I am those things. The scriptures are full of Jesus making I am statements. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. And here he says, I am. Am, and he's about to define who he is. This is his identity. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now notice, guys, that's different than him saying that I have the resurrection and I have the life or that I give the resurrection or I give life, though those things would be true. But when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, he's communicating that resurrection power and life are so intertwined with who he is He is the embodiment of resurrection power and life. These things are inseparable. It's who he is. And understand this also, there's these key words in here. Highlight two small key words in here. If you got a pen, you can underline this because he says, I am the resurrection and the life. All you Big Ten people who already hate Ohio State, you know like where I'm going with this. Like when there was like, yeah, we're the Ohio State University. You're like, oh my goodness, I'm gonna punch you, right? But there's importance to understand that, that, that word that, because it really highlights something important. When Jesus says, I am the resurrection, I am the life, he is holding exclusive claims to it. Resurrection power and life are only in Jesus. He holds a monopoly over these things. They are only in him and they are inseparable. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Resurrection power and life are only in Jesus. They are defined by each other, married together, inseparable. There's no drop-down menu of options here. I am the resurrection and the life. Church, when we're talking about resurrection power we're talking about the power to bring about a new beginning. We're talking about the ability to take something that is dead and bring about life. And Jesus is the master of walking into situations where everybody else has already given up hope. It's the darkest moment. There's no way back at this point. He is the master of walking into those moments and in those moments doing his best work. What Jesus does. And here's the most amazing part. If like all of this hasn't amazed you yet, please don't miss this next part. Is that not only is Jesus the resurrection and the life, but he doesn't hoard it for himself. He's not stockpiling it like toilet paper in the 
pandemic. Like he's, he, he has the resurrection and the life, but he's giving it away. Notice what he says there, the end of verse 25. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Now take, take note of the next word, everyone. Do you see that, everyone? Now notice what doesn't follow that word, everyone. There's not some asterisk in there. There's not some like fine print that says, well, everyone um, except, and then it lists all these things out. This is not a Kohl's 30% off coupon. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like you get that thing in the mail and you're like, you take it to the store and it's like, what does this give me? And they're like, nothing. Every brand in the store is excluded. Didn't you read the fine print? I'm like, well, then why did you send this to me? They're like, to get you here? Like, that's not, all right, I'll buy something. You've been there? But there's no fine print here. He's not saying everyone except those with addictions or everyone except those who've made really big mistakes or everyone except those who weren't born in the church or everyone who uh, has not yet confessed, you know, except those who have confessed their sins to a priest. Like, like everyone except those people. He's not, there's no exceptions, there's no fine print. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. So imagine now, tragedy strikes today for you. And you're brought before the God of the universe and you're standing there outside the gates of heaven and he looks at you and asks you the simple question, hey, why should I let you in? What would be your answer? Would you start rattling off all these I statements? Well, I, 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 I prayed this prayer or I, I went to church. Well, I, I, got, I got baptized and I, I, I did confirmation and, and, and I, I, I did these good things. I, I did, did it. And you start going, I'm, I'm telling you right now, guys, if your answer to that question to God of why should I let you in has the pronoun I in it, you're using the wrong pronoun. What we should be taking from this is to understand that resurrection power is not available to you because of something you have done or will ever do. Resurrection power and life is only available to you because what has already been done in Jesus. Don't miss that word. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in, in me, will never die. Why should I let you in? Because he died for me. And he rose again for my forgiveness. Church. Church, I love you. I have seen this resurrection power on display among our people. I think of my friend, Justin. I don't know if you guys know Justin Kirby, but it was a year ago this past Wednesday that Justin walked in the doors of Kendale for the first time. And it wasn't a Sunday. That's just how desperate he was and how sovereign God was moving to bring him here. But he walked in our doors that morning and walked out 
a son of God. And he wasn't saved because of anything that he had done. He put his faith in Jesus, and it changed him. And not only did it change him, it has now worked through and impacted every member of his family. Justin's a display and evidence of resurrection power at work today. Another story that I celebrate is a college gal named Quinley. Quinley came to school last year as a freshman and wrestled with doubts and then realized as the year went on, as she continued to seek out Christ, there's nothing holding me back. And now this year has become a leader who has helped other women come to know Jesus this year in Salt Company. I think of Quinley. She is a display of resurrection power. Also within our college ministry, I think of Jordan. I met Jordan this morning for the first time. So this is a story that I just heard about him. It was a beautiful story of a college student who came from guys unthinkable family brokenness. I've never heard a story as awful as his and what he's endured. And yet it was in the midst of that that he found his greatest joy in Jesus. And everything about Jordan has changed. Jordan is a display of resurrection power. Another story that displays resurrection power is my friend Philip Holterman. You didn't know I was going to share this. Guys, I did not get the joy of watching God bring Philip from death to life. That happened a few years before him and I ever met. But I've gotten a front row seat to watch God's outworking of that resurrection power in his life continue to capture new ground. Because I remember sitting with Philip a few years ago in my living room and him talking about his relationship with his dad, or should I say lack thereof, and him try to explain to everybody in the room, I don't have any bitterness about it. I'm not mad. It's like, yeah, I don't believe you. I just met Philip's son here a couple weeks ago. He's two and a half weeks old. New son, it's their third. Best part of the whole meeting is he looks at me and he says, this is my son, Kai Thomas. That's, that middle name is important. That's his dad's name. As God has worked a miracle, predominantly in Philip's heart, to offer forgiveness to a man who really, frankly, didn't deserve it. But Jesus has done so much in Philip that he couldn't help but then extend that grace to others. That's resurrection power on display. I've seen it in this church, guys. I've experienced it for myself. Every Easter gets a little bit, you know, I'm emotional. It gets even more emotional for me because it's a reminder of another Easter that's passed that I know Christ. Because it was Easter day, April 15th, 21 years ago, that I woke up that morning to play the role of Jesus in our church sunrise skit as a 16-year-old with a hangover. Yes, one of your pastors playing the role of Jesus with a hangover. I should have been struck dead by lightning. It didn't happen. Shocker, by the way. I'm here. That day started that way, and it ended with me on my knees, admitting my evils, my wickedness, handing those over to Jesus, turning from my sin, trusting Christ, and him changing me, completely changing me. And each year, I celebrate that in a whole new way, 21 years of God's faithfulness and work in my life. 
church. There are, very simply put, two types of people in this world. There are one type of people that have experienced the resurrection power of Christ. And if you are in the room this morning and you've experienced the resurrection power of Christ, can we let God hear it? Can we throw up a shout of praise? Yeah. Guys, there's, there's two types of people in this world. There's the type of people that have experienced the resurrection power of Christ and those that haven't. Which one are you? Because there's only two types of people in this world. Now, maybe you noticed this, but verse 26 ends with a question. And Jesus is asking it to Martha, but I believe he's asking it to Martha and then like to all of us in it. I just said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Right? Anyone who believes and lives in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Like, I don't care who's sitting to like the right or left of you this morning and what their story is. I'm asking about you. Do you believe this? Do you believe that you were drowning and dead in your sin? Do you believe that? Here's this, this crazy thing and how, how scriptures kind of like bring things to light for us. Is that when sin entered the world, uh, God had told Adam and Eve, he said, hey, if you disobey me, sin's going to enter the world and you're going to die. Now, this interesting thing happens is that Adam and Eve sin against God, disobey, and yet Adam lives like 930 years. You're like, dude, what is he on? I want that diet or whatever. Like, how do you get that? So you read it and very, like right away, you look at it and go, well, was God lying? Or was he like exaggerating to like try to like terrify Adam and Eve, you know, with punishments and stuff? And he said they were going to die, but they didn't die. Because it is true that when sin entered the world, death came with it. But the worst part about death coming in with it was not the physical death, though that came. The death that took place when Adam and Eve disobeyed God was not physical, it was spiritual. It was a death between their relationship with God. Which is way worse. And now all of us have been born into that, and then we contribute our own evils and wickedness and sin to it, which continues to reinforce that we are drowning in sin and we are dead in it. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you're dead in your sin, but do you also believe that Jesus came to abolish both deaths? That in Christ, we are not only given eternal life, and yes, that we will go on and live forever, but we are given life in the most beautiful sense that we now have a restored relationship with God. Do you believe that on Good Friday, what Jesus did in offering himself on the cross was a full payment for your sins, that he absorbed the entire wrath of God, and then with that on Sunday morning when he was resurrected, it was to display that all of God's wrath all of the penalty for your sin has been taken care of. It's been covered. And as Jesus rises from the dead, it declares there's no longer wrath. 
but favor for all those who place themselves in Christ. Let me ask you, do you believe that? Do you believe that you were dead in your sins, but now have been given life in Christ? Doesn't matter where you are this morning, that's for you. Everybody, everybody who believes in me, lives in me, will never die, have eternal life. Do you believe this? As we keep reading here and we get to our final verse this morning, Martha provides such a beautiful just model of genuine faith. And I would encourage you this morning, if you've yet to put your faith in Christ, let Martha be a model for you. Because Jesus looks at her, says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And this is her response. Simply, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the one sent from God, the Son of God, who comes into the world. If you want to have full certainty this morning that you have received the resurrection power and life that are in Christ, understand, guys, it is this simple. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to go to church enough for it. This could be your first Sunday here or the first Sunday back here in a long time. This is what Romans 10.9 reaffirms for us. This is the simplicity of salvation that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, period. And that's because of a bloodstained cross and an empty tomb, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And here's been my prayer for weeks and weeks for you, as I remember April 15th, 2001, and I'll never forget that day because of what God did. I pray that there are people in this room that 21 years from now, you can't forget April 17th, 2022. Because that was the day that you stopped hesitating, stopped letting things hold you back whether it was all the good things that you had done or the wrongs you had committed, set those things aside and said, I recognize now there is life in Christ and it is mine by faith. Faith alone. So why, why then is Easter a big deal? Here's my answer to it. Here's why Easter is a big deal. And I'll go back into Lazarus' story. Easter's a big deal because any schmuck can walk into Bethany at that point and talk to Mary and Martha and try to give them a bunch of comfort and be like, no, it's okay. If you just believe in me, he'll rise again someday. Anybody can go in and do that. I could say that because no one lives long enough to actually see whether it's true or not. You just made a claim. No one knows. So how do you prove to Martha and everybody around her that you actually have resurrection power and life in your name? 18 verses later, this is how you prove it. You walk up to Lazarus' grave, and it says this. He shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man 
came out bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in cloth. And Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. Mind-blowing, right? You want to prove that you have resurrection power in life? That, that, you could do that. But what more could you do? What more could you do to, to tell everybody, to, to lay out this like timeless testimony for all generations to look at and go, resurrection, power, and life are in Jesus and Jesus alone. What could you do to lay that out there for people? I'll tell you what you do. You go into the grave on Friday as a dead man, and just like you've said you would, just as you promised, you walk out Sunday morning, that tomb's empty, and you appear to a bunch of people, and they see it and go, that changes everything. That's why Easter is a big deal. Because the empty tomb is proof that every promise in Jesus, the promise of new beginnings, the promise of our resurrection, the promise of life forever with God, when we see the empty tomb, the answer is a resounding yes forever and ever and ever and ever. Church, he is risen. Come on, say it with me now. He is risen. Let's do this one more time. He is risen. And that's not just great for him. That is incredible news for all of us who would believe in him and live in him. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, yours and to your name be glory forever and ever. Thank you so much for pursuing reckless and lost people like myself. God, I love you. I delight in you. I do pray for those in the room who have yet to yield themselves to you, have yet to stop relying on themselves or yet to, to recognize that your grace is greater than any sin that separates you from them and to recognize that in Jesus, life and resurrection power are there and it's already been done. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. This has been a message from Candeo Church. To learn more about us or to hear more messages, visit us at candeochurch.com.